Welcome to Hummingbird, conversations about creativity, arts, literature, and life with Catherine Graham and Jessica Outram. Hi, I'm Catherine Graham, and I'm coming from Toronto. We respectfully acknowledge that words and ideas have been shared on this land for thousands of years. The land on which we operate has been occupied by the Anishinaabeg, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. It is part of the Dish with One Spoon territory and is still home to many Indigenous people. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We are grateful to be here, connecting with others in the celebration of stories. Hi, Catherine. How are you today? I'm well, Jessica. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a really wild few weeks with launching the podcast and juggling some other projects and work has been busy. It's, you know, it's got me in a reflective place this weekend, just thinking about how, how to, how to balance the energy in a good way, you know? Yes. And, and sometimes it is difficult. The energy can be off to begin with to even give it some balance. <laughs> Right. And I, I was thinking this morning of uh, Michelangelo. I used to just be obsessed with him and uh, really studied his work a lot and read a lot of books about him. And I learned that when he was painting the Sistine Chapel, he he added in a self-portrait into the Last Judgment in the, in the large painting there behind the altar. And the self-portrait was actually just his skin. And it's quite a striking image, his skin all folded over and him kind of hunched over. And from what I read, the story goes is it was his way of showing that that was all that was left after, you know, doing that work. And although I'm not painting the Sistine Chapel, I, I do find that I, I get excited about things. And it's easy to put all that energy into it. And then you, you worry sometimes, am I putting too much? When is it the right time to pause? How do I balance it? Because it's it's both wonderful, but there also needs to be balance, right in the work. Yeah, and just the image too of skin and having no shape to it, something just kind of discarded and and almost as if the, the casing is all that's left. That's quite a powerful image in and of itself when we think about how insects transform, like I think about butterflies and moss and the way they're encased in something and then emerge from that, but also snakes too and how they shed their skin. And so I guess in some ways that image too, I mean, and you're, you're, how you're relating to it. I mean, the imagery is so helpful to help us understand what it is that we're going through. And I, I, I think that it can help us then realize we're not alone because even as someone as incredible as Michelangelo, he was still human. And the fact that you can mm -hmm. relate to some sense of having this sort of exhaustion and all that's left is sort of the encasement communicates so much of what we go through as individuals, regardless of who we are and our talents and, and who inspire us and how we connect with them. But it, it's, it's really, I think, one of the things that I love too about art and poetry and how imagery can 
almost give you some kind of knowledge and insight into something that you might not even be aware of, but you can feel a sense of connection as you described. And after so many years of seeing that in real life, there you are relating to it, this mm-hmm. image again. So it, it's so interesting too, how that can have such an impact, not just the beauty of it, but also the personal sort of psychology of how that image serving you at this time and need for for sometimes just allowing yourself that that time to change because uh, transformation is happening within us all of the time and uh and i guess we shed our skin too don't we (laughs) yes we absolutely do right that's transformation isn't it yeah Yeah. oh well and then i you know i'm thinking i've got a picture here my new little hummingbird notebook sitting next to me and I'm looking at the hummingbird as I listen to you talk and thinking about the fragility of creativity as well and the fragility of that creative energy and how we need to take good care of it and how important that is in our journey as we balance creativity, life and work and and all of the different pieces. We're lucky, like I feel really lucky because anytime that this happens where I get too excited and I pour too much of myself into projects. And I tell you, I'm pouring myself into into everything at work. I'm, I'm loving it. It's so inspiring to me to be able to do this type of work. And then I come home and I'm, I'm doing the same in my creative projects, but we need those pauses built in. The universe always provides me with some good signs along the way that often end up in my poems to slow down, to pause. Uh, there was a, a bird... Not too long ago, I was sitting in my chair in the living room and a bird came and, and it hit the window actually and, and bounced off the window. I saw it and I went, oh my God. And I jumped up out of the chair and went over to the window and saw it lying there. And I was like, oh, geez. And it kind of looked at me with its eyes and kind of said, just give me a chance. Give me a chance here. It's like, okay. So I went and checked on it a little while later and it had changed positions. And I thought, okay, this is this is promising. And then I waited another little while later, it had flown off. And then later that day, I met a friend for a walk and we were out walking by the lake, s- stuck in the fence. And uh, I'll, I'll share this picture out so people can see it when this uh, goes to air. But stuck in the fence, there was a feather right there in my path looking right at me. I, there's twice in one day a bird that's trying to get my attention. And I thought I could just kept asking myself over and over, what's the lesson here? What am I meant to learn here? Because there's something I'm not seeing. Certainly, I, I, I think that the big lesson there, and, and it's coming back to me again today, is, is you got to slow down or you're going to run into windows. (laughs) 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 And sometimes you'll bounce back and other times it's going to take a little bit longer. (laughs) And all that's left left is a feather. (laughs) Right. Or you're going to start losing pieces of yourself in the the fences. So, Mm -hmm. you know, slow, slow it down. Yeah, so there's the the sort of barrier of a bird trying to get through to where it thinks it wants to go. And it's so interesting, too, with the reflection, they can see the green or the the nature within the the image of the window or the reflection and think that that's where they are heading to. And of course, it's not. So there's that deception of barrier, but also just even the way you describe the feather in the fence. And so there's something about borders and barriers there too, Jessica, as well. (laughs) And And maybe boundaries. I mean, that's, that's part of how as creators, we have to sort of find our balance to when it's time to sort of fly and move and, 
and be in the air and when it's time to sort of land and mm. uh, and sit and be in a space of containment. Right. And I think today I'm thinking a lot about that portrait of Michelangelo. I'm certainly, yeah. I, I'm not burnt yeah. out. I'm just tired. Yeah. There's a gift in that. There's a gift in getting, getting that image pop into your head so strongly and follow you mm. everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's been doing today. But I think it's a reminder that I've been so much up in my head. I've forgotten about the rest of my body. I've forgotten about the rest of things. You know, you can be so intently focused on something that you forget to step back and take a wider view of what's happening and and see how that fits within in the bigger balance and I find that's true in life and that's also true with any writing projects that I engage in you have I, I find I have to look at it closely and intently and I have to step back and look yeah at it with and soft the bird's eyes. eye view right there right <laughs> Ooh. I love that. So do you find does that does that happen for you? Do you find that you have signs in your life that that also then appear in your work or that relate to the writing that you do? Yeah. And and I know in our previous sessions, we've talked about how our subject matter chooses us and how something will just have to be written about. And you think you're done with a particular subject and it returns and returns much like that's happened to me with a quarry and also having lost my parents. And then that sort of experience through grief connecting to writing and in particular poetry, how I remember years ago thinking, well, I'll write one poem about my mom and then one poem about my dad. I'm still writing about them through what comes to mind too and connect your connection with birds and feathers that what happened to me when I was going through the cancer journey when I was diagnosed with breast cancer was the same age my mother was when she died of the disease. In many ways, she accompanied me as sort of a a spirit mentor. And I found when I was walking to Princess Margaret Hospital here in Toronto for my radiation treatment, began to notice something that was always there, but I noticed it in a deeper, more meaningful way. And I noticed the feathers on sidewalks. I immediately felt a connection to my mother. It's interesting how Things that we see every day in a certain state of awareness or almost a need in this case for me to see more than just feathers and have this connection to my mother, which was really a part of, as I say, my journey there. They became a symbol of of this. And so I wrote about this ether and out-of-body lyric, and, and I will begin. Feathers forever falling from birds. Feathers become my talismans during my months of cancer treatment. City streets, sidewalks, parking lots, feathers from sparrows, seagulls, pigeons. Pigeons wedged in a flower-rimmed scrum, pecking madly for bread. The machine gun stutter of the cardinal. And I remember these words from my first creative writing teacher. Your subject matter chooses you. Death chose me. Ghosts have no substance, require no sustenance, walk through water, stone. And now birds, these creatures with wings that fascinated my mother become a feathered bridge. Be as small as a hole for birds to fly through. One night while waiting for a date for my second surgery, waiting is harder than knowing. The surgeon didn't get clean margins. He needed to go back in. I fall asleep. I'm alone in the house looking out at the quarry when a flock of mallards fly by. One flaps through the half-open window. She beats her wings in the cage of trapped space, knocks against the family room walls. I reach for her panic. Cupping her breast, I guide her out. 
Wide awake, I feel her pillow soft imprint on my palms, the ghostness of her breast feathers. A bird in house, I enter my own cage of panic. Isn't that an omen? But I guided her out, I saved her. I recall the figure ground illusion, faces, vase. When you see two faces, you can't see the vase. The mind only perceives one image at a time. Bird in house, bird out of house, omen, gift. Water falls to where the heart aches, a ladder slowly lifts, and the birds, the birds, hurl themselves up. Well, in there at the moment, there's still more to say about that, but I thought I'd just take a pause there because I'm just really thinking too about the sense of seeing something and making that decision. Is it an omen? Is it a gift? Much like when we go back to your poem too, Jessica, where we had that image that you spoke about where you saw the beautiful flower or the dead bird. And so mm-hmm. that, that way that Again, something can contain both things, but depending on how we look at it, what we see at a particular time as well, too. I feel like I just, I before we I get into the head of this piece, I feel like I've got to just tell you what's happening in my body as you were reading it. Mm. It's a stirring piece to listen to. And I could feel the haunting as you were reading. The way that you have put it on the page even looks like, it feels like the feathers that are falling. And I, I find that that just adds to the the whole experience of it. There were moments that as you read where it felt like electricity that was just happening. And that's always a wonderful moment as a reader of poetry when you feel that electricity coming in through the poem. One of those moments for me, you know, when you see two faces, you can't see the vase. The mind only perceives one image at a time. I love that moment. Be as small as a hole for birds to fly through. You know, and I, I don't know that my mind can say as a reader of poetry why some things connect and why they don't, right? That's often why we would go back and read read or re-listen to a poem on a second time, for example, is, is then to kind of get into the head of the of the subject matter. But you've just beautifully put together this very complex experience in a way that is simple, yet holds the complexity within it. So thank you so much for bringing this to us today and for reading it so beautifully. It just feels like such a gift. Well, thank you so much for that, Jessica. I mean, I think too, as writers and as artists, we We do these things because we have to. And then there's the other part about sending it out and letting it go just as a feather flies wherever it's going to fly, not knowing if it's going to be meaningful to where it goes and who receives it. And I think that's one of the highest compliments uh, a writer can get when a reader or a listener in this case feels the current of something inside the piece Mm -hmm. of writing. And that's what I love, too, about how art can move us. In fact, kind of goes back to our Emily Dickinson quote. We talked about how she feels as if the top of her head is popping off. She said it much more eloquently, (laughs) but that was sort of the idea. My head just, yes, (laughs) my head just popped off. Oh, my gosh. And then this moment, you know, but I guided her out. I saved her. These moments in here that you, as a reader, you just want to learn more about. That seems like a very transformative moment in the poem. Yeah. Or Or is it prose? I think it's both. I think it's both too. And I, and, and I, and talk about how something can be holding two things at the same time. I feel Ether wanted to do that. Ether and Out of Body Lyric was a book that wanted to be part poetry 
and part prose. So in its hybrid state, it is something too. And there's parts that are specifically sort of floating in the middle of the page, which are, I guess, more poetry if you had to sort of put them in categories. And then the other parts are uh, left line margin or right line margin, and possibly they're prosier, but not always. So the story just wanted to unfold in such a way that it was doing both things and very much as if it was doing it hopefully in a good way, is flu- fluidity. <laughs> Water yeah. dripping <laughs> so that um, waterfalls to where the yeah. heart is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's just interesting, too, in, in how form will often appear through the writing of what you're doing, not necessarily always in a way that uh, did that. The form became more of what it was meant to be through the process rather than mm-hmm. the beforehand thinking it through stage where when I was speaking about the glossa and how that had its own form, then I was using the words to fit into this form, whereas this was the words pushing me into the form it needed to be to sometimes see how the project that you're working on you have to sort of find what form it wants to be as well as the content that informs the form. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How can the form inform, you know, what you're saying and how you're saying it needs to be in alignment in some ways, or you're intentionally choosing to do it so that there's a contrast there. We talked about subject matter choosing you. And then of course the feathers becoming a symbol. And then as you, as you mentioned too, with this dream and the dream was so powerful. I can still, as I say in the book, I can still feel that the the breast feathers cupped in in my hand as I was releasing the birds, that sort of after sort of sensation that you can have when you come out of a dream. It's interesting because there was that sort of sense of this was a good thing to have happen, releasing the bird and not thinking about the omen part of what that is till I came out of the dream. A bird in the house can often, from folklore and from from what people have believed in the past, can be a sign of death. And, and so then that natural way of feeling good about something turned and was like, oh, is this, this may not be good now, <laughs> even though the bird was released. And what was fascinating too is I'll just, I'll just finish with this part as well. Yeah, just continuing right. the piece then. It goes a bit now into synchronicity and follows with a, an encounter with a student. So in my journal, I write this sentence. I'm walking down the street when a feather floats into my line of vision. An hour later, I'm walking down the street to see my therapist when a feather floats in front of me, wind lingering before it touches ground. My words have come to life. What does it mean? My therapist tells me a story about Young. He was working with a patient who dreamt about a scarab beetle. The patient, having told Young about it, was resisting deeper meaning when a brittle tapping came from the window, a beetle trying to fly through glass. A feather floats into my line of vision. We see the connection as a sign of affirmation. You are called into a crowd of feathers. I often work with students on a one-on-one basis with their poems. They read their draft aloud and I sit with their work, think it through with all the knowledge and experience and intuition from my years of writing and studying the craft. And when ready, I share my thoughts and insights. Try cutting the first line. The last line isn't needed, see? Can you be more precise with this image? The poetic logic is here, except for the last stanza. 
A student I work with tells me she's been diagnosed with breast cancer. So many of us on this journey. She gives me a copy of her latest poem. I follow along as she reads aloud. A bird flies through an open window. It flaps from wall to wall, searching for the way out. I reach to cup its panic, warm and plump and thickly feathered. I guide it to the open window. It flies away, becoming sky. She sees the expression on my face. You could feel those breast feathers on your hand. She nods. How did you know? Whew. Wow. You can't make this stuff up, right? <laughs> you know, were, were those pieces that you had written together in the same space? Or was it like, how? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I find that can happen if I'm on a writing retreat sometimes. That we're all in a room. I don't know how it happens, but we end up telling a similar story or there's something in the energy of the air. Mm -hmm. And were you in the same space no, or was this just... No, wow. we weren't. No, and my dream had happened prior to that. And then her diagnosis came in and yeah, so it was quite uncanny. I mean, at, at the time too, I didn't realize I would be writing about it and that it would appear in this book as, as we know, things sometimes just happen and then they, they have to be worked out creatively. And it just came into the book as I was writing it, as did birds. I just have allowed it. Did you tell her? Yes. Did you tell her? Yeah. yeah and about she's acknowledged dream and... and she's acknowledged in the book too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a really powerful moment to, to, wow. to share the book with her. Yeah. This is like very clearly an example of when your subject matter chooses you right? Mm -hmm. These are the types of experiences that, that they seep right into the skin. If we come back to that idea of, of skin that we started with earlier today, but these, these are the kinds of things that for me anyways, that, that weave into who we are because they are such powerful moments of synchronicity that you can't help but notice them. And then the mystery becomes why this? Why now? There's always the easy answers, right? Like, yeah. you know, a shared experience of need for connection and, you know, mm -hmm. those pieces. But then there's always something more complex at work that I think we don't ever have access to yes. that goes beyond comprehension. And, and that's why when we listen to a piece like this being read, why I feel that electricity or I feel, you know, as Emily Dickinson described, the head coming mm -hmm. off because there's an energy in it that's into the unexplainable, but it's right into feeling. I find feelings very hard to put into words. Yeah. And I love how you described it as seek right into the skin. So the idea as if it's looking for a skin to seek into. So, and I think in some ways there's the things that kind of do float around in the ether, as Young would have said, the collective conscious and they land, they land in, in our, our bodies, our hearts, our minds, our pens, our, our uh, computers for typing. <laughs> and uh, and make their way in and there's so many I think ways that those connections are, are happening but also how close they aren't happening to an awareness think about mm. all of the things that when you look at the trail of this had to happen and this had to happen to come to these connections for them to be known by the people I mean they're still happening but it takes yeah. that communication to make the link for the receiver of that information to know that that happened. So I hope that makes sense. Complicated, mm -hmm. right? It's, it is, it's very complicated. I'm so precarious with, with that communication is almost hovering at the side of, of our awareness. Ooh. 
and things have to kind of mm-hmm. come into well like the bird hitting the window right i mean it, it sometimes they just have to like the beetle at the tapping at the glass that the, there has to be yeah. something in the physical world to get our attention. I also find that these moments happen both in writing and in life when I enter into them without expectation. Yes. Right? So if I go into a moment, say today, here we are and we're recording, and I feel like something incredible, magical, mysterious will happen, the minute I wish for that, I lose the mystery, Mm. you know? It's entering in completely open. I don't know what's gonna happen in our chat today. I don't know where we'll go. Something may happen, something may not. Wherever it leads, it's okay because I'm spending time with someone I care about. And that's to me where in relationship with with anything, you know, even a work day, if I can enter into a work day without expectation or into a relationship without expectation, that is where it finds its way to a place I could not have comprehended or imagined. It doesn't surprise me that this moment happened with a student when you would least expect it. I would naturally enter into those relationships with students without expectation in that way. Uh, We're looking for, you know, what, what is their learning and how can I assist them? I don't ever imagine that there's some mysterious story that's connecting us that we we can't see and then suddenly can see, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, that idea too, of how you describe about, about well, in some ways it feels like just letting go and letting whatever is going to happen, happen. And that's okay too. And I think that's very much what we do when we begin writing and allow ourselves to follow something, a line, an image, and, and allow things to unfold. And sometimes they bring us to places where we are thinking, yeah, there's something here. And other times it might be, well, this isn't really going anywhere today, (laughs) but maybe Mm. tomorrow. So it can be both. It can be something that's deeply connected and and also released. I think it is both. So I want to put you on the spot again. (laughs) (laughs) And I really loved you are called into a crowd of feathers. I have never considered a crowd of feathers before. And so I was wondering, like when I think of a crowd of feathers, I can think of all sorts of things. I can either think of them as being all part of one bird, or I wonder if if they are from many birds. I wondered, you know, just to get some insight into your thoughts on that line, now that you're returning to this piece at a different time than when you wrote it. When you see the line, you are called into a crowd of feathers, where does it take you? Well, it takes me to the mystery because I actually don't remember writing it. That's, it's true. Wow, yeah, I, I, I guess I did write that. Part of what has happened with this manuscript, well, book now, in addition to the prose parts and the sort of story part of, of what the book is and the journey and the poetry parts, some of these pieces of poetry came from my dreams. Obviously, mm. the bird was a specific dream, but I mentioned this, I think, in a episode, whatever number it was, about how dream lines have been serving my poetry lately and how I've been writing them down. And I think that was a dream line, if I, if I remember correctly. And it just, again, so I found that the way the dream lines were working with the outer world of what this journey was and then the inner world. So they became yeah. part of the manuscript as well, too. And so I was looking at the way that they communicated to parts of what was going on, the overall narrative, so to speak, within this this book's trajectory. But to be honest, I don't remember writing it. Yeah. 
And that happens. It happens to me too. And there, there are there are things I don't remember writing and I don't remember saying. It's fascinating how the mind works in that way. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting too about looking at old notebooks and then reading something and thinking, did I write that or was that a quote that I wrote down from somewhere? And the good thing is you have Google now. You can put it in the engine machine and see if it's, <laughs> if it's goodness, your own right? or someone else's, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned dreams and maybe we'll just finish today's episode. I'd love to share with you that uh, a year ago when the Hummingbird podcast first launched, but when we were deciding the name and working out the concept and everything was just coming together, it was probably a year ago, January. So not quite a year ago, a little more than a year ago, it was born. I had the most incredible dream where I was in a penthouse apartment condo it was massive and it had this incredible uh, surround panoramic view of windows in the dream so I could see everything and I was almost in a like something you would see in a science fiction movie I think and out the windows everything was in vibrant color and it was like a, I could see over the top of and in complete detail, this very extensive uh, forest with a river, almost like a rainforest, but not as dense. And it was just the most stunning natural world right outside. And I was looking out across and so happy to be standing there, to be looking out at that view and just couldn't believe how blessed I was to be in that moment in this dream. It was one of those most beautiful dreams. And then in front of me, while I was standing there at the window came a hummingbird and it flew right in front of me and paused, you know, as it does, it hovered and looked at me for a very long time. I don't know. I feel like I could feel the light radiating out of it. I feel felt like I could feel that connection. And, you know, you've got these lines here and I, I, I can do this because I have it written out. I'm not doing this by memory, but you say we see the connection as a sign of affirmation. And that was a moment for me in my dream. And I woke up right after that I felt that connection to this podcast, to this work, to Hummingbird. It affirmed that this was exactly where my energy needed to be, that this was work I needed to be doing, that Hummingbird has come back in my dream since mm. to nudge me along the way. Before we launched season three, that Hummingbird came back as a good little friendly burst of energy to say, yes, this is, this is a good thing to be doing. And I'm just so grateful to be here with you today. Oh, Jessica, I love that story. And what a what a, a beautiful story, beautiful image, and the way that the light was coming through that hummingbird. And again, as you say, a sign and affirmation that you're on the right path and to give you the confidence to go through this portal of, of the Hummingbird podcast. And a year later, here you are, and the hummingbird is returning to say, yep, keep going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah what a beautiful. gift, eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think there's more to say about uh, feathers and birds. So I, I know that they're important to both of us. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll just continue the conversation next time. Sounds good to me. Yeah. And so we finish our chat with Just Another Day by the talented Shannon Linton. <laughs>